This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, good evening and welcome to Green and White, a Green and White special. It is... Less than tw- it's about what twenty two, twenty three hours on from yeah. the departure of Argyle manager Derek Adams, left by mutual consent after a run of eight games without a win, capped by a humiliating five one defeat, five uh, one defeatory, uh, humiliating five one defeat at Accrington Stanley. Uh, here to talk through that quite shocking departure, we have Sam. Hello. Adam. Hello. And Louis. Evening. Straight in, that was that was a shocking moment yesterday, probably because it, it was quite a Game of Thrones-esque in the way that if t- it seemed like the danger had gone. It seemed like if he was going to go, it was going to be almost instantly after the game, in the hours preceding the game. Preceding? Um, uh, yeah, in the hours after the game. And then, out of nowhere... Late last night, what was it, about 11 o'clock, 10.30? I think, yeah. it, was, I think it was about dead on 10 o'clock, I actually feel, maybe about five past, it wasn't much after 10 o'clock. Okay, so, so just, just after 10 o'clock on a Sunday, news comes through, Adam's gone, Watton gone, Nanskaville, I think it's Nanskaville, isn't it? Yeah. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced, my apologies <laughs> if not, I'm sure you're listening, I Kev, think that's luck. close enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin Nanskaville, uh, previously first team coach... Uh, he was elevated to the position after Watton stepped up to assistant manager following the departure of Craig Bruce the last season. Um, is taking charge for the do-or-die season finale at home to Scunthorpe, which which could yet be a televised game because Sky haven't decided which which game they're going to televise on uh, Saturday at 5:30 yet. I Hasn't been announced. I believe it's all but sold out now as well. It is all but sold out. Yeah, ever since Adams went. Ever since the news came in, tickets flying out. They've got 400 extra. They're expected to be gone by midday tomorrow. Wow. Um, so, so while it remains likely that, given there's a title race going on still with Luton and Barnsley level on points going into the final weekend, it's likely to be Luton uh, away to Oxford. That's the televised game, I think. But could yet see Argyle's final game of the season uh, live on Sky. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless... Do the do the paying public really want to see two teams go down in the uh, at the same game? I think uh, some fans would be interested to see that. <laughs> so, uh, there's a possibility that they'll put Sunderland Scunthorpe, uh, Sunderland Southend on, which would be odd because 
it's quite likely that both Sunderland don't go up because they'd need to win their game. I think for Barnsley to lose and a quite a big goal difference swing as and well. And a big goal difference swing as well. Meanwhile, Southend are probably the side most likely to go down, even though even though they're the only one who are currently outside of the relegation zone of the four who are in it right now. Because, let's face it, it's quite likely that they don't win. And it's quite likely that either Argyle or Scunthorpe pick up a win. And if not them, Walsall have got a pretty good chance of beating Shrewsbury. If, if I was to look at the teams, I'd probably turn around and say that the South End are one of the, the most likely of the four to be relegated. Yeah, I would agree with that. But anyhow, to the topic at hand, Derek Adams sacked. Initial reaction, who wants to go? Uh, gone. Well, I, my my first point was I was just shocked because I thought if if it's not going to happen within five games to go, there's no way it's going to happen. You know, last game of the season. You you think that last game of the season is too late? It's almost to me an admission of like almost defeat. I thought it would either be five games to go or at the end of the season, and kind of that was it. But um, very very shocked on a Sunday evening to um. To hear he's he's gone, really. Yeah, I was. Um, I I I was I was obviously a little bit surprised. I kind of thought it would if, if it was going to happen before the Scunthorpe game, that it would either be probably a Saturday evening six o'clock or or nothing, or or we just wait till after the game. I I kind of thought that that um, Hallett would get rid of him after the last game of the season. I thought I didn't really think any longer that the that it was sustainable in the long term due to the nature of the comments that Hallett was putting out and due to this lack of media correspondence. Uh, I did think that it was coming, but I thought it would come after this Gunfort game. So I was surprised. I I'm, I think I think it is a good thing because I think being at the Accrington game, it, I, there was something clearly missing mentally. Whether that was a uh, dissatisfaction with the manager, whether it was a complete lack of confidence, whether it was a lack of team unity. You don't put in a performance like that without something being wrong that is more than just technical or tactical. There's got to be some mental aspect wrong. And I hope, I really hope that with Adams going, that that might be cured going into this such an absolutely vital game. What I was also surprised about as a third and final point is to see Watton had gone as well. Um, for all our faults this season, Paul Watton was there defensive coordinator that had four good seasons in a row until this season obviously we don't know what's gone on behind the scenes and what his role is in it hmm. but particularly I mean, what, what's it that say that about we need, we need someone to take over the last game well, what know? does it say about what's happened that the, the, the Wattons one I mean you would have thought that logically you remove Adams and Watson takes charge I mean, I mean you would so what does that say is that does that say too that close to the bone. he's too close to um, too close to Adams in, in... yeah Style or in in, Maybe, in nature, or it, and the, the players are obviously not. The players clearly weren't playing for Adams, but also weren't really. No, I disagree with that. Either. I don't think you can turn around and say the players weren't playing for him. I mean, I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, I, I, okay, so I watched that Accrington get arc. The last two weeks have been brutal for me because after you haven't even spoken about the game yet. No, no know, well, we're, not, not. we're probably not going to speak <laughs> no, about the game you. to be honest. Yeah, um, but the, the last two weeks have been quite brutal for me because I had to sit down. I had to see Gillingham in the flesh. Yeah, which wasn't, it wasn't, which wasn't too bad. But then afterwards, sit down and watch about to collect stats. And I had to hear that Barnsley was dreadful, and the Barnsley game was dreadful. And I had to sit down and watch stats, to, uh, you know, to collect stats. And then we get hammered five on by Accrington. And I, it was kind of sad that that's there's competition for whether that's the worst performance of the season. That that that's really sad when you think about it. We've lost 
five one three times. Which, haven't we? Yeah, we have three times. What, what was the other one? Peterborough, Luton, and oh, Luton, of course. I always yeah. forget the grand scored against Luton. And and yo, and if you think about it, um, lost in pre-season as well. Five one, I think. Five one, yeah, the Oval. Yeah. The Oval. And on the last day of last season, we lost 5-2 to Gillingham. Gillingham, So in, yeah. in, in under a year, that's a heck of a lot, isn't it? And we lost 5-0 to Chelsea in the Jekka trade. Yep. So when it's you weird. consider it over a year, that's a heck of a lot, isn't it, really? Well, Argyle have conceded... Oh, I toss it up as 93 goals, I think, this season in all competitions. 93 conceded. It's the most goals we've conceded since 1995. Wow. That's, that's a long way. Yeah, it's not that's ideal, That's a long way, that's... It's nearly 25 years, nearly a quarter of a century. Um, but anyhow, I watched these games back. I, I, right, I reject the notion that the players have stopped playing for Adam. So I accept that there must be something going on there because you, you don't just lose 5-1 like that. I mean, there, there, there were elements of misfortune about it. We're talking about a throw-in leading to a penalty, and also penalty, definite penalty. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about a throw-in leading to a slight trip and a penalty, head drop maybe, then... You know, a free kick that gets a big deflection. I mean, this, is... and then you've got an excellent shot by McConville, I think, yeah. for four. Those I are mean, good I've... goals. Definitely some really good goals. Um, well, I wouldn't say um, some good goals. I think there's a, there's a good finish in there from McConville, and you, you, I mean, you can sort of possibly question Macy for the fifth, but I just think it's a case of it's point blank. He dives and hopes he saves it. Mm, I mean, yeah. it's the defending that I question rather than the saving. The only one I've got a question about is um, is the third. I think it's close enough in in the goalie he might have done better but nevertheless I, like, I, I would say the second he doesn't really dive for the free kick does he he just stands he still does. again he, put, he literally dives past it it takes the deflection off Thrill Kill that takes it inside he oh. dives past it well, okay I've not seen the highlights yet do you watch yet, these so games I must have remembered it wrong to be fair I did have a very tall bloke stood directly in front of me so I, as I repeatedly messaged into the group chat during yeah, the game didn't I didn't have view. the best view no anyhow um I, I, I reject the idea that Argo weren't playing for the manager. They, they worked hard in the second half. Well, I, um, I, I like to, I, I like to reject it, but I, I, it's all that. That's all that's all over, all over social media right now. Is that it. Yeah, but it's all over social media that Leanne Tongo is our best player this season. And that's also <laughs> rubbish. So, exactly. well, what's well, yeah, on social yeah. media doesn't really mean anything. Well, no, of course not. I um, I do hope that we get resolved in the weekend, but I just feel it's, I feel that the it's come too late and that we've kind of given we've kind of given the, the, the caretaker too little time to make any kind of difference and whatever happens happens really I mean, it's, it's just a one game shootout that, that's exactly. all it is let's, let's focus let's okay we'll go, go, go away from the point a bit let's focus back on Adam's um, with that let's, Adam your take I would agree with what most people have said so far that it was a decision that was coming, it was a decision that was overdue, and the timing of the decision was very surprising. That being said, it's a positive move. I think even with one game to go, it matters, especially considering the magnitude of the game. Um, and it gives the players nowhere to hide. Now, I know we've already spoken about whether they were playing for Adams or not, but I think we can perhaps suggest or infer from the performances that they were playing for him but they didn't really believe in his methods that's the take I've yeah that's what I I've taken along away with that a bit and um I mean yeah with that I mean with somebody else coming in it might you know we, we've got one game where you know there's not going to be a great deal of you know tactical preparation I think Nancy has got five days to, to I don't know it's not going to be something completely different but the players will have something that they don't have anywhere to hide. They can't hide behind the manager anymore because he's gone. 
And I'd much rather that happen now rather than after Saturday when, you know, Adams may well, and I believe he would have taken this down. So, all things considered, as I was surprising that it happened, but good that it happened. And it's made me so much more optimistic for the weekend than I would have been had we still hired nothing from the club. I mean, like, like you say there, I mean, do, do I, I know it was just one win to stay up, but... Just the way it was going, I just couldn't see him winning that game. Could either of you two see him winning it? No. After seeing that that Gillingham game, that was that was a pinch of me. I was there in person, I saw it, and we had the first half. I think we played quite well, and then things changed in the second half, and we just looked so deflated. It, nothing, I, I, nothing was going. You didn't see like anything was going for us. I just I disagree with that. I mean, let's let's not go too much over Gillingham. Yeah. But I mean, I'd, I'd say we defended quite well in both halves. The difference was there's just two crosses. ASB lost his man twice, two goals, and, and then it, it, it's, the, it's the defensive mistake that cost us all season conceding that ninety-seven goals. Yeah, and ninety-three, I think it was. And there's yeah. your mentality question because it, it, you know mistakes happen, yeah. but so many, so consistently. I mean, you can put some of it down to poor communication. You can put some of it down to uh, the you know poor the tactics. Like I mean, the, the mid. You compare the. The midfield in front of the defence last season, which gave them proper support and protection, and you know restricted chances and so forth, with with this season where they've got less uh, passing options, they've got fewer passing options, they've got less protection, but you still can't account for stuff like Smith Brown completely losing his man at a corner, you know, like, just yeah. So you can't really you can you can train for it all in the world, but it's it's, it's one mistake and you can see the goal, and that'll that'll define the rest of the game, you know. So, but after so, after, after that Gillingham game, I would struggle to see it. Even if we go up in a game, I struggle to see us getting results, especially with the Barnsley came through straight after and playing a rather formidable team. We just didn't. Again, nothing really. So, so where so where do you think it went wrong for Adams? I think we've all got lots of. I think there's lots of answers to this question. But let's let's start firing some off. Where did it go wrong for for Adams this season or before? Oh, I've got a hundred different lots ways. Of answers. Yeah, yeah. I'd look towards the start of the season. I think he may have panicked a little too much and his stubborn nature coming to the fore. As you know, in recent seasons we've been like always Adams a stubborn sort of manager and there's been, you know, a lot of evidence weighing in favour of that. I think this season it finally got the better of him. I think once he saw something that, you know, seemed to deliver a result. He absolutely refused to budge on his methods. He still wanted to play the 4-2-3-1 that doesn't work as well with the personnel that we've got. And once he refused to budge from it and the results started to go south, then there was really no coming back from it. And yeah, as I say, it's, it's one of hundreds of reasons that we could point towards to say that's exactly where it went wrong. I don't think there's a specific one point where we can say that was the turnaround. I think across the season, he's been far too stubborn with his methods and it's come to cost him and us. I'd like to think that his um, his issues with the media have probably played a part as well. People at the start of his uh, term kind of seem to like his whole like us against the world kind of mentality, kind of winding other managers, the press up, whereas this year it's kind of backfired on him, like obviously uh, kicking the Herald out and then refusing to make any kind of comment after, after uh, Atkinson. Um it seems to work for him. Well, yeah, I mean that, that that was that was a nail in the coffin. Although, right although what I would say is that they're not making any kind of comment after Atkinson. We don't we don't know now if maybe the decision had already been made. If he was told he wasn't going to be making any comment, would be the only thing I would maybe say there. But 
we don't know we don't know whether that could be a, fa- I mean, a fact of you're being sacked therefore you're not talking to the press I, I know what you mean though yeah but um it, it's like I mean the the hit, the moment it just so like Adams was just sort of like this balance of arrogance and evasiveness and I think that played against him a lot because while while the the short term answer for why he was fired is the relegation scrap I think you know there's there's different paths he could have taken that could have saved him from being sacked for if even if we were relegated right I mean mm. there's you know say we'd glided I mean, sounds terrible say we glided softly and slowly towards relegation in the sense that you know we'd never quite pulled our way out of it we could never put the results together and we just eventually got sucked into it and went down and, you know, I think that it looked differently. He he might be able to, you know, f- form this narrative or that narrative, sort of get away with it. But th- one of the circumstances has been just the just the fall off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Two points from twenty four is is why we're now in a relegation scrap. But then, and you, you feel slightly sorry from that because that's two last minute goals against Bar- uh, against Bristol Rovers and Blackpool that probably keep him in his job. Against Gillingham, Ryan Edwards doesn't sky that over the bar from what six yards. Strong chance Argyle take home at least a point, probably three. And again, that's his, you know, position safe. So you've got the circumstance, and Karen, uh, free uh, kick uh, at three nil at Blackpool as well. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Would have made it great save. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, but so, so we've got, so, so we've got the, the the fact that it's the circumstance that makes the relegation look worse than it otherwise would be, because it was the fact that we all felt safe and then just plummeted. So, so. So had it had it been a more graceful relegation, I know there's no such thing, but you know what I mean, a smooth, like a consistency towards the performances that saw us go down more deservingly, let's say, it would have been different to the fact that we've dropped off cliff and the fact that the results have been dreadful. But on top of that, it's the fact that a lot of the crowd are angry with him, and he's been building that for such a long time. I've never enjoyed him, you know, saying this like that I'm the best manager outside the Premier League. You know, this is the best defense performance anyone's ever seen at Anfield. These stupid comments. You know, I remember after we drew nil-nil with Portsmouth, they came closer to scoring than anyone. We created nothing all game. And he comes out and says Portsmouth are playing for a draw. You know, we were the only side looking to win it. Like that's the arrogant side. I don't think that played well with a section of the fan base who you know were effectively sharpening their knives and daggers and waiting for the opportunity to then come back and say, you know, get rid of him. Because I think, I think that drove part of the, the bad sentiment. Then you also have the evasive side, which is, as well as being arrogant and talking down, you know, his players and they were talking down his opponents and so forth, victory or defeat, making excuses like it was the algae on the surface against Cambridge. Um, you're, yeah, exactly. You then also have the evasiveness, which is, the best example, after Barnsley, he comes out after Barnsley and says, I think the exact quote is something along the lines of, I've told the players it's their fault, solely their fault. You know, he, he picks the team, he puts them out there, he sets the tactics, and there was something deeply tactically wrong against Barnsley, and it was quite easy to see from early on what was going to happen. And he just, you know, shrugged it all off, not his fault, threw the players in it. He, tend to, he did tend to put the players on the, um, on the pedestal more so yeah. towards the end of, his, end of his term. He kind of just threw them out to dry at times almost yeah. not not to save his own skin but just almost save his kind of image indeed um, and he it, did it, seem excellent at blaming anybody but himself 100% yeah. like I say that, that, that's what balance of arrogance and evasiveness in, in with the media 
And, and also, also in relation to banning the Herald, calling Argyle fans yobs and so forth, I think that's his single biggest failing. Because he, he lost himself so much goodwill he otherwise would have had. Yeah. And that, more than anything, is what turned a bad situation into a terribly sour, hostile environment. And, and I it fancy was exactly it's... the same how it ended at Ross County, wasn't it? Fallouts to the media, yeah. fallouts with his chairman, and fallouts to the players. The exact same pattern of, of behaviour at Ross County. And it's, and I think that more than anything is what if we were already down, I don't think they would have acted yet. They might have waited till the end of the season. They might have even given him, you know, another chance. You know, let tensions cool off and see what we can build over the summer. But it's the fact that we've got a chance to stay up, but also that if we go down, there's a strong chance we do. Can you imagine how tense and hostile the atmosphere would have been? There could have been questions about player safety and the anger, particularly Adam's personal safety, because he's got to walk back through the through the yeah. tunnel. You, you can't legislate for one or two idiots doing something. Yeah, you know, especially especially obviously, yeah, he's in the corner now and he's right by, you know, it's yeah. it's close to block. Is it blocks five and four and five? It's five and six, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's five and five six. And you, six. You're, you're, you're gonna have you're gonna have, you know. A lot of anger there. Yeah, a lot of anger from some of of the hardcore fans down there. And on Um, top of that, you've also got the atmosphere going into the game. that It was never going to be good, you know? But now now you look at the... Basically, people have sort of pinned it on Adams. I know Josh wrote an article I didn't fully agree with. Basically said, it's all Adams. That was effectively the thesis of the article. It it was a bit more nuanced than that. But yeah, there was this general pervading feeling that Adams was the one who had to go. And they've bought the players some breathing room. They can go into that game now knowing that, you know... They basically got their excuse lined up. It was Adams. Not not yeah. that they're going to say that, but that the fans can form that narrative. Mm. I, I, I think I think the, the problems of the season have been a, it's been a, it's been a, a mixture of Adams is uh, making some questionable tactical decisions and some of the players have not been good to enough. Questionable to say the least. Quite questionable to say the least. But realistically, some of the players haven't been up to scratch. And but again, it hasn't helped by the way Derek set them out. And in the end, it's cost them. Yeah, I mean, there, there are other teams with squads with, you know, absolutely inferior quality to us. I mean, Arkington, for example, man for man, you know, I mean, we've got a better quality squad. You look at Karen Lamiris, and I know McConville's good, but I don't think he's on their level yet, oh, no, at least anyway. No, definitely not. I'd take Karen yeah. Lamiris to head and shoulders exactly. up. A lot of a lot of players in this league. Yeah, I think we just we just like mm. we lack the the strength in in certain areas, you know, especially at the back and um, goalkeeper. We 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 there's been you know lacking there all season. Yeah, yeah. We, we I think we've on this podcast we've made this argument all season. Adams just consistently failed to play to his best team, and there's yeah. you know play emphasise the strengths of Karen Lamiris over anyone else's. It's how we turned last season around. We just it's a bit like Sheridan built a team around Reed. Adams built a team around Kerry, and they made it even better by building it around Kerry and Lemire. So we just haven't seen that this season. He, yeah, he's built he built a team around the Dapper when the rest of the team was totally unsuited to the Dapper, and that's been probably the main undoing. As well as um, the mid, even if you did build the attack around the Dapper, things would still have been a bit better if he'd picked the best midfield three. But no, he didn't even do that. He put, consistently put Songo in central midfield, who isn't good enough to play there for a decent League One side on a regular and basis. Fox, let's not forget Fox is. Fo- it's not just that yeah. Songo is not as capable in midfield. It's also that that formation necessitates Fox playing in a far more exposed position that gives him less possession. Yeah, it makes his it makes his job harder in both senses. He's got less influence in possession, which is his main skill, and he's got 
he's more exposed defensively, which is the biggest weakness. Exactly that. So you're looking at three things. You're looking at building the team around Ladapo rather than around Kerry and Lemiris. You're looking at having Songo and Fox deep and exposed in the mid- um, exposed, sorry, in the midfield too, rather than Fox deeper and Ness and Sarsovic ahead. And I think you're also looking at the complete lack of any kind of knowledge or assurance of what his best goalkeeper and back four are. He's chopped and changed them all season as well. And I think when you've put those three factors together, those are the three, three big areas of mistake that uh, indicate why we are where we are. You also, you also got to look at. Listen, I, I, I've gone back to this point a few times over the past few weeks and months, which is that Lemiris only came into the team permanently because Joel Grant got injured. Yeah. Can you imagine what would happen if Grant had never. Not that I, I think Grant's a good player and I really want him to be fit. Um, but can you imagine what would have happened if Grant hadn't been injured? We'd be even further in the mire. We might have been out of it by this point. It wouldn't surprise me because without, without Lemiris, we would be in big trouble. A I mean, lot, that, a long way before now. we wouldn't have had that run of form, would we? Without Lemire, that, that January run of form, which, like, I mean, I argued it a lot of the time. I argued, I argued, argued it with you a lot, Sam. Was that it was a run of form based on good finishing on our part and bad finishing on the opposition part? I agreed it was based on um, good finishing on our part. Mm, ish. I mean, I, oh, I no, if you, if you really want well. to go back and pull out the transcripts, you're not going to come off well. I think I think you'll find at every point in the transcripts, I said we still weren't playing our best team. We should still move towards it. Yeah, I know, but you also made the argument that we're creating lots of chances. That chances were improving. That Lewis I made, I, 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 I made the point. Well, we, okay, were let's, let's, we were creating let's, more. Let's than drag, we were which we were. Let's not drag this. Out. It's hard to create. <laughs> it's not difficult to create more than zero. Well, okay, yeah, fair enough, but still, um, let's not drag this one up, but. Okay, if if you were to pick your single biggest factor in what went wrong for Adams and also what went wrong this season, what would you say? Start with Adam. I will say it was tactical failings. Pure and simple, that's the main thing this season that has held us back. And because he's now gone, I can say, you know, all season he failed to pick his best team, which is baffling in itself doubly baffling when you consider he did pick that team in the back end of last season and we showed title winning form. I will never understand it. It was ultimately the thing that will define this season for me. And uh, yeah, tactical failing, tactical stubbornness is what saw the back of him in the end. Louis? Um, I won't play the devil's advocate as such. and the um, Obviously the tactical failings are quite obvious. Um, I'm, I'd like to think, hopefully, and this is this is me thinking of Derek as still a potentially quite good manager, that there is something there's something going on within the team, within the squad. There's injuries, there's little little niggles and stuff going on that we don't know about. That he hasn't been able to pick the team that he wants. Um, so just to you know, I think that he lost the fans, and fans have been on his back for a long, long time now. Um, it's been a hostile place, and I think that. With all the, with all the stuff going on, on social media about um, the pressure on Hallett, I think that's lost him his job in the end. Um, he, the, the fans turned on him, and um, you know, once you've lost them, it's very difficult to get them back. I don't think a lot of them came back on board since the Obs comment. Yeah, I think you're right there. Because I mean, though we had to turn around and form that, that silenced people more than it brought them back in. Yeah, I mean, you had I only saw a few people turning around saying. Things along the lines of I was wrong. Adams has, you know, got it right and should have stayed. I saw far more people in the last few games who had defended him saying I thought he'd do it and he didn't than I ever saw. Those who are yeah. against him 
turning around saying I was wrong about that. People, people said, people said that when we had that run of form, I, I saw it all the time. It was a case of okay, he, he if he does well, he, he does well to keep us up, and that's great. But I still want him gone. He, there was there was there was there wasn't a load of people saying, oh, if he keeps us up this time, he's still the right man to take us forward. Purely because of the position we've been put in the last two years and being right down the bottom um, in January. Yeah, um, I also remember those who are foolish enough to believe we're about to go on another playoff charge. Yeah. That was blatantly, <laughs> obviously not true. That's quite funny now looking back, isn't it? Yeah, that, that was. Oh uh... no, it's not Sam. It's sad as hell. There was only one time when I began to very, very, very slightly waver, which was after the Peterborough game. I think we were like nine points. So I looked at it and said, hmm, if we beat Pompey, then we've got a decent couple of games. Maybe, just maybe. But then when we didn't beat Pompey, I thought, no, it, lo- it looks far too far off. I mean, it's, quite I can't... Funny, it's quite funny to look back at it and think, oh, we were, well, we we were thinking, about, thinking about the playoffs and now we're losing 5-1 to Atkinson. Speak for yourself. I never thought the playoffs were doable this season. I didn't think they were. I didn't. I didn't think that they were in any way like you. But if we had a beaten Pompey, that would have been seven points going into two very winnable games in Bradford and Rochdale. And I was just at the point where I was very, very tentatively starting to think, mm, could we? But then we didn't beat Pompey. That never really emerged. I know, but the obvious factor was that Argyle weren't playing well, and they're on a clearly artificial run of form. I, 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 I did acknowledge that time. to an extent, I but I kind so of thought we might. Argue it. But I kind of thought we might ju- we might just get into that winning mentality, and we just believe in ourselves to be better than we were, and that mentality would come into a big part, even if we weren't that good tactically or technically. Okay, could, right, could, if, if we'd have beaten Pompey, there's a very strong chance we would have then won the next two, and then we would have had like, yeah, but the like seven we didn't beat Pompey, eight, but... The reason we didn't beat Pompey was because it was an artificially sustained yeah. run of form that was based around good finishing that was bound to end. It's been like that said, though, run the of goal scoring form earlier in the season. Mm, yeah. You know, he he would basically went on a run of form. You take that, that I think he scored like eight, ten goals in ten games or something like that, mostly doubles. Yeah, you take that one away from him and. It, he still he still had a good season, but you know is that spell of form, what was it October to Novemberish, that you know made him look like he's having a better season than he was. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't he wasn't scoring consistently over the season. It wasn't you know. Yeah, it was just a burst. It, it was it was it was a very there was a very quick burst of a lot of goals, and that's when people started to really you know put the attention to him, saying, why were we ever thinking about starting Taylor? Let's get the dapper in the team scoring goals. But and ever since he scored just at like the convenient point where it's like the the cries to drop him were getting so great like Gillingham for example but dreadful game against like really yeah. I, I mean I, I, I know he scored but honestly it was it was not worth it he was a je- it's not often you get a player who scores a striker who scores is a net negative effect on their team like he, he was honestly shocking that day he did not have a great game and that's, that's, that's very thing, polite he, 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 he can have he can have a, a bad game and then he'll score, and then his position is, is secure for the next, you know, couple Five of games. games. And again, I don't know if, if that's the way Adams use it. If he just thinks that's a goal, you know, he's in form, keep him in. Mm. But again, that's something that I, I struggle with because it's, it's again, like you said, it's a, de- it's a somewhat detrimental effect on the team. It's like the the conversation we've been having with Fraser all season. Every time we say drop Ladafi, he says, "Well, then who's going to score?" And he basically just he, it's that doubt element that he raises. He's like, "Well, Ladafi's in on scoring. There go Ladafi must start." And our argument is, if you drop Ladafi, others will score far more. But it's well, easy Ke- for Kerry Lemire on banging goals. 
quite quite, yeah, quite comfortably, I'd hope. So. But it's not just that, but they'll create for it. The reason we scored lots last season is they created for everyone else. You had that run of form for Diaguari, you had the run of form for Sarsovic, Ness had a little run of form, goals for Bradley, goals for Viner, Taylor chipped in with a few, Sawyer scored one year. But if you build your team around two creators, they create chances for everyone. If you build yeah. your team around one goal scorer, then he's the one who has to score. There's your difference. And but teams like... can game plan for that a lot easier. Teams can, teams can stop one man. It's a lot, a lot harder to stop two. Yeah, not just that, Simple but it's two player. players from creating. It's not it's not one player from scoring. You can put well, men yeah. in the box to stop that, but stop two from creating is different. Um, sorry, back, back to where we were, though. So, Sam, your biggest individual factor. We had, I think it was Adam was tactics, and Louis said fans, lost the fans. Um... I, I think it happens as well. The other the other one I would bring in as a, as a secondary factor is I'd, I'd question what went on with January spending to a degree. We've had it very much come out and said that look there will be there will be backing in January. There will be backing, and we we brought in Frelko, Jones, and Anderson. Yes, okay, there were some players, but you know two low needs and a former Mansfield player. Is that strong backing? Um, well, I think we probably. I I, I doubt there was a increase in spending because when you find, when you consider what it's loan loan and free transfer and he yeah. went out we had Peter Grant went out permanently Dyson went Wild. out loan we assume yeah Wild went permanently so it Was probably wasn't um, I think a couple of youth players went there uh, Hodges oh, Law yeah. Hodges Law went for a month Rooney obviously extended Basel went for the rest so, of the season so when you factor that in well, rightly or wrongly whether you know the, the age of debate should we be taking a bit more of a risk at a higher budget and risk running at a bit of a loss Whatever your views on that, there was very much a lot of strong messaging coming out from Adams and Hallett that said there will be backing in January. And obviously there was some degree of, you know, because otherwise we wouldn't have signed three players. I'm not saying that's a factual inaccuracy, but whether it was the level of backing that such statements implied, whether that was warranted, whether that whether that actually came to fruition in quite the way that was implied, it's something I'm a little bit sceptical of. So I think you could look at that. But that's a secondary point. I think the main reason is even in spite of, even if the level of backing was exactly what it was, even if the level of backing was even a little bit lower, you could have expected Derek Adams to get more out of this squad. This may not, this, this may well be one of the lower budgets in the league. I don't believe it's one of the lower quality squads in the league. And you have, to give, you have to give credit to Adams in previous seasons for signing such a good squad on what was probably quite a low budget. You have to give credit well, to Derek Adams as well for developing. And developing yeah, you have to give credit to Adams in 2016 and 2017 for that achievement. But the fact is, when this season began, he was in a situation whereby he had that squad. He had the best potential team at his disposal. Yes, bar some injuries, but he had a framework, to, a groundwork on which to build, and he didn't take advantage of it at all. He has gone absolutely to pains to avoid playing his best team. With the, um, we, we, we seem to mention every time we record this podcast that the front six of Fox, Ness, Sarsovic, Lemires, Kerry and Taylor haven't played a single minute together all season. I think what a fantastic... Not just that, many... Taylor, Kerry, Lemires, front three, 167 minutes as a front yeah, three. Yeah, and I, and I can't imagine Fox, Ness and Sarsovic in the midfield have, have, have a much... Uh, sorry, Tim, what, 67? I think it's 67 minutes since the second day of the season. It's been like a handful of sub-appearances or something. Yeah, so that says a lot. And I think the Fox, Ness and Sarsovic in the midfield trio, they would have had a bit more, but I still can't imagine it would be a huge amount of minutes. So and wouldn't it be wouldn't it be fantastic if we saw that front six start against Gunthorpe? <laughs> now we finally got rid of Adams. Can you imagine? 
I don't think it probably will either, but I, I, I think, you know, and to be fair, that that would be the one game I can understand it not happening. That this is exactly the kind of game Ladipo gets goals in. So indeed, ironically, indeed. that's the that's the yeah. one game I could probably justify it not being played. But there we go. Okay, let's 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 leave one final question then. Um, open question to everyone. Uh, okay, I'm torn. Should, should we discuss what should Nanskaville do, or more interesting, possibly, is what do we think Nanskaville will do? Because obviously, unknown qual- uh, quantity. It's never managed a first team game before. We know nothing about his managerial philosophy, as far as I'm aware. What do you think? I will start by saying, yeah, you know, he, he's an, an unknown quantity. However, I don't think he's just. Uh, on the cheap appointment, local guy seems a nice fella. Has been shoved, shoved into a job, over promoted. I think there is a re- there's probably going to be a reason why he's been kept on for the game rather than Watson. I think you've got to look at the fact that he has a UEFA Pro license, which is the most qualified you can go. And I think you've got to look at the fact that two separate managers in Fletcher and Adams have both specifically promoted him from the youth. Okay, Sheridan did demote him back, but you know John Sheridan was nothing if not stubborn. He wanted to get his own men in, didn't he? So I think he's a smart cookie. I don't think I don't think he's just uh, you know what, how, how can I put it without being too derogatory. I don't think he's just a nice, cheerful, smiley local guy who's going to do a good job and you know try and motivate them and make them more passionate for the game. I think he's um, he's got to be he's a smart guy to some degree, and that's what I've heard from people I know who who, who do know him and have worked alongside him. So I'm relatively confident he'll he will manage the game better than Adams would. Obviously, mostly because Adams has completely lost the plot the last few weeks, but. Whether it will be enough, I don't know. I, I can't imagine it be it be too too different from from Adams because he's not going to have he's only going to have a week to really put anything in place. So I, I won't I couldn't imagine there being anything like any very 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 different changes. Um, but he's he's going to have to be something positive because we're going to have to go out there and get a result. I can't see him sitting back at all because um, you know it's all on the line now. Talking to Pervertis, but you know, he's got to get a result somehow. And he's, you know, he's gonna, again, like you said, he's going to have to motivate them some way. I think that's it. I think for somebody who, for all intents and purposes, is going to have a week in the role with one game that's ultimately going to decide how his tenure is looked back on, it's all about getting. I, I know this is going to sound really stupid and simple, but it's all about getting the best the team out there and the best possible chance of winning the game. I mean, if that means listening to his senior players and helping in that sense form a positive atmosphere going into this final game, that's what he's got to do. It's whatever it takes. And as as Louis said, I don't think there's going to be a great amount of changes you know, with only a week to work on it. But whatever it takes on the training ground this week to get the players in the best frame of mind to win the game, that's what he's got to do. And I'm, I'm sure on Saturday we'll find out whether he was successful at it. And I hope he is. I, oh, I hope he does it. I, to be honest, I don't think any of us care at this point. If Matt Macy runs up from the back and it hits him on, know, on the knee or something and goes in when he's not looking, it, no one's going to care. I've just Matt... got, a, I've got a really funny feeling. Maybe because Lansdowne's role before he was promoted or when Brewster left is working with the academy. Could, could if Leveran isn't fit, Macy has been on dreadful form. Could we, could we happen. see Cooper start? Stop could talking. It ha- it's not going to happen. You sure? Crying out loud. Yeah, I'm quite positive that Cooper's not going to start. It would be a huge risk for a man who's well, managing for the first time. I mean, for a massive game where he's going to be looked back on, as we say, 
on this one match to decide how his tenure went. If he brings in Cooper, it's <laughs> he he'd be a brave oh, so man. Hypothetically, that assumes that this assumes at least one of the other keepers is fit. If they're both not fit, then of course Cooper well, probably starts. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I just think it, it could. He, is he going to be much more of a risk in playing Macy in his current form? Macy's on very bad form. He, he's not quite as bad as some Argyle fans make him out to be, but on the on the form of his last two or so games, I think he is. His distribution's been terrible. His command of area has been pretty below par, and well, he hasn't saved on, enough shots. Which games are we talking about? Um, certainly the Accrington game and the Barnsley game as well, I would say. Did he play the Barnsley game? No, he didn't play the Barnsley game. What am I talking I about? Thought it was Leverin. No, it was Leverin who played that game. Well, Leverin didn't have a good also, game, did he? <laughs> I, you, I mean, you, you can't criticise his distribution yeah. at Accrington too much. Because if you watch those games, it's quite blatant that the wind is playing havoc with the kicks. Balls don't drop vertically unless they've literally been held up and their um, they're, oh, lateral trajectory. Basically, if when gravity is the only force pulling them down, that's when they drop flat instead of you know in a nice parabolic True. curve. That that's a clear sign the wind's holding the ball up. I don't think you can you can and, knock his yeah. distribution there. It was basically, I'm sorry, their pitch was barely even a pitch. It's not to knock Accrington, just on that occasion that was very difficult to play on. There's a reason they're four four two with two strikers they could play long balls to it was more effective in the first half than ours. Um, yeah, I mean, him and Leverin have been chopped and changed so much lately. I've now forgotten who played in what game, but you are right. And it, yeah, the wind did have a big impact, and also the dirt around the the surface area he was kicking mm. off as well kind of helped. It was a very muddy patch, but I maybe think, may, think, maybe not Cooper. Then I don't know. It's just a thought. I think on that line though, you, I think there's a chance of CCU in the players. I mean, I don't I don't know really you know you know what was what the the feelings like in that dressing room, but you know coming from working with youth in the past, he might just feel. You know, we might just chuck a you know a hungrier, younger player out there just to see what they can do. You know, we, a we bold it, move. Yeah, it'd be a bold move, but you know, it, it's something that we could see just just to freshen something up, just give it some you know some change because we we're getting players like Ainsworth on the bench who hasn't played. I don't think he's played much all well, a minute. I think he's played maybe. two games: Newport and Doncaster. Well, Started yeah, Newport, yeah. sub on Doncaster. Massively and, wasted player by Adams as well. He's a decent, creative player. He's got Joel Grant injured, and no one basically is back. He just won't even give him a chance. I don't understand why. I'd love to know why. I'd like, I'd, and again, I'd like to see something different. Just you know, if, whether it be a youth player, whether it be Ainsworth, or just someone who hasn't been given a chance. I think you might see someone like that, in who you know, um, not to has worked with all season. So, yeah, that's a good point. He's probably the player he knows best is Ainsworth. Exactly. Um, Tafari Moore as well. I'm sure, we'd be delighted to think of that, Sam. Oh, let's not, let's not, please. Tafari <laughs> Moore up front. That's what I was saying. No, Kelvin Meller. <laughs> he can't be much. He can't be much worse up front than he is at the back. So, right. That's um. Let like, I tell you what. I, oh God, the last predictions of the season. Go on then, uh, Adam. Thoughts. I. <laughs> I, I yeah, my thoughts, as you can tell by my recent hesitancy, are all over the place. It's two on Argyle. I can't tell you why, but I don't want to go into one of my biggest games in years not feeling a little bit optimistic. So we'll get the win, and then it'll be down to the other teams to do us a favour. Louis, yeah, I'm going to try and remain optimistic. To be one nil, last minute winner. Louis, give the fans something to celebrate on the way out. Ah, uh, three-one Argyle. 
And it will be a very nervous ending because I don't think Sunderland will necessarily play the best team at South End because they may be resting players for the playoffs if they're not on their contention to go up. Uh, I think 3-1 Argyle, I wouldn't want to say other games. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll do something next week, won't we, Nick, after the game? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, 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 we'll do we'll a podcast have a few more. We'll, have, we'll, we'll have a few, um, a few reviews of the season, I should imagine. I imagine we'll probably fair bit of the summer, actually. Might yeah, even do a Nations not? League special. No, that would be good. Oh, anyway, so you you, you will be, be hearing you will one. be hearing from us in. Oh uh, uh, yeah, big season quiz. That sounds about right. Good. That sounds good. So yes, yeah, you'll be hearing from us next week, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can get us on iTunes, Spotify, and um, Stitcher. Uh, <laughs> nice try. Thank you very much, and uh, let's hope we win. Cheers, everyone. Bye bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.